Welcome to the Wake Up Podcast. I am so excited that you're here. Listen, these podcasts are best listened to in the morning because we are waking up not only our bodies from sleeping, but we're waking up our minds. We're waking up our focus. We're waking up our calling and we are following the breadcrumbs that God has left for us throughout the day over our life to tell us exactly what to do next. So stop saying that you don't know what to do. Stop feeling overwhelmed. Stop living in the valley and start walking into your calling. So I'm so excited you're here. Welcome to the show. The whole purpose of having this podcast was to wake up to our calling. It started with myself that I was like, I need to be focused and intentional and purposeful every single morning as soon as I wake up. Because if I don't, the dark side is what I've been calling it, <laughs> like pulls me in. And it's so quick. And I never understood why. I actually never really understood that I had a dark side until I started learning more about my identity and learning who I actually am and who I've been pretending to be and what I've been coping with and kind of like what the world has molded me into and what the world has told me feels good and does. And so, um, you know, I, that, like, I'm more of a glass half empty and a complainer and an excuse maker. Like that's my natural character is to judge is to be mean, is impatient, has anger issues, is prideful, is rude. Like that's me. Like road rage, I could just go nuts um, in my flesh, but I don't. But I just have this like natural dark side. We all do. It's all sin. We're all born with it. Thanks to Adam and Eve. But we all have it. And we all, whether it's a struggle with overspending or drugs or adultery or mental health or like whatever it is, we all have this section of our life. So when we started the call, it was for me to wake up. And if I'm the type of person that I have to have someone that's counting on me or depending on me, like I have to put it out there and say what I'm going to do. So that holds me accountable. Like Okay, I said I was going to do these for a whole month. So now I have to do it. And that's good and bad. But I did them so that I would have to show up and I have to start speaking life and get my mind in the right place. And I realized that everyone needed to also do the same thing and felt like they needed to wake up to their purpose and be focused on what really is the mission. Because and I think I'm going to kind of blend my two topics together. But I have been in the valley lately and I didn't know that because I never know that I'm in the valley until I start to get out. And then I'm like, oh, okay, I've been in a valley and my valleys used to be really deep, really dark for a very long time. And I would know I was in the valley because I was in severe depression, journaling about wanting to end my life. I was coping with drugs and alcohol. I was isolating. Like I knew that I was in a dark valley because it used to be really bad. But then as I learned and walked with God, I learned my identity. I learned who I actually was. My valleys weren't as deep. They would, I would still go into them and they still sucked. And it was still so much tension and frustration, but it wasn't as bad as the last one. And the, they just got shallower and shallower. But I remember thinking, am I ever going to get out of the valley once and for all? Like, that's what I just kept saying, once and for all. I want to get out of the valley once and for all. And I didn't go into a valley for quite a while. I went maybe six months of staying out. And I thought, okay, yeah. If your walk with God is so close and you are so connected and you are just, he's your left foot, you're the right foot and you're walking together simultaneously. I really felt like if you're doing that, you aren't going to fall away. You aren't going to fall in a hole because God has you by the hand. So it's all in your mindset. It's your perspective. You, know, you can be going through a tragedy or a loss 
and your mindset is totally different on it. You can, you can lose your job and think, oh, well, it's okay. Everything happens for a reason and move on. Or you can lose your job and say, I can't believe they fired me and they let me go. And you can have anger and you can be resentful and you can hold on to that. And it's just your mindset. The situation is the exact same, but it's how you're choosing to look at it and your perspective. But I really felt like you don't have to go down into a valley. And this is great because I don't want to go there. And I'm just going to keep walking with God. And then all of a sudden, I realized yesterday, oh, oh my gosh, I was just in a valley. And I didn't even realize that I had fallen. And it was really because I was distracted. I was, uh, I was distracted in a different way. So the devil used to distract me with success and work and hustle. That was my main distraction. Anytime there was any kind of inconvenience in my life, I would run to work run to, I'll pick up a shift at the restaurant. I will work extra hours. I'll lock myself in my office and I will just work and work and work and work and work. And that's where I used to run to. And then I stopped doing that. And without even realizing it, I picked up another coping mechanism. And now I get distracted by overanalyzing and overthinking everything that's happening in my life holding on to control, holding on to pride, holding on to all my things, all my wounds that I've had and holding on to all of those so tightly and thinking about all of it. Like, am I doing this the right way? What's going on with my Instagram? Why is it not growing? There's a lot of people. uh, I haven't had a lot of people in my DMs lately. There hasn't been a lot of people entering my funnel. What am I even doing? Who am I even talking to? What kind of business do I want to create? Do I even want to be on Instagram? I really wish I would write my book more. I wish I'd spend more time on my book, but no, I guess it's okay because God, you know, he's the Holy spirit is putting this in me to write when the time is right. And then not when it's not, I need to just, okay, I'm not supposed to be controlling. I'm supposed to just trust. So like, I need to turn my brain off and instead of becoming self-aware, which is number one, and we've done a podcast that was titled self-awareness. I don't know where it was, but I know that we titled one maybe in the thirties or something that you can go listen to because you have to be aware. Number one, self-awareness. You have to know what you're doing. You have to be like, Oh, Oh, hang on. I'm overthinking. (laughs) I'm in my head. I'm okay. Nope. And it's distracting me because now my thought isn't thank you God for this beautiful day. Thank you for my kids. I'm not soaking in every single moment with a grateful spirit. I'm not experiencing joy. You know, when we're angry, we can't really be a good symbol of Christ's love. When I'm an angry person, like when I'm mad at my husband, I don't resemble anything like Jesus. When I'm out in public and I have an attitude and I'm annoyed, nobody would know that I'm a Christian. And that's not who I am. That's not my character. I am a kind, loving, patient person in Christ. And if the devil can distract you with things and like, look over here, look at this job and look at that nice car and oh, look at that guy. And don't you want that family? And don't you want that life? And look at that girl. She's so much prettier. And you, he can distract you that way, but he can also just distract you with your emotions. And the way that you respond and the way that you are, and if you're doing that, then you're not accomplishing your purpose on earth. I thought up until this morning, when I wrote it down, it was like this switch in my head flipped. And I realized that the reason why I am messed up, the reason why we are so messed up is because we have been trying to feel as good as we can while we survive here on this earth. That's been the goal and the mission. It's like, whatever makes me feel good and I can survive, I'm, I'm game. Like we know energy drinks are bad for us, but point proven. <laughs> You'll still drink an energy drink because you're like, whatever. Like I gotta get through this. I've had three hours of sleep. I'm exhausted. I'm tired. You know, whatever gets you through it, And your get you through it is different than mine. 
whatever gets you through it might be a cigarette. It might be a joint. It might be a glass of wine. It might be a shot of whiskey. It might be sex with a stranger. It might be overspending. It might be sleeping, isolating, worrying, stressing. You don't have to be an addict and only do heroin. Like, or only, oh, well, I'm not a drug addict because I don't, or I'm not that bad because I'm not an alcoholic. Well, to God, he says, hating your brother is just as bad as murder. He said that looking at someone with lustful thoughts, like, ooh, dang, he's cute. Look at his muscles. Like, he said that is the exact same thing as committing adultery. If one person who committed adultery and one person was looking with lust stood before God, they would both be guilty of the exact same crime. And we tend to judge and think like, well, I'm not that messed up or think like, it's not that big of a deal, but we want to do what feels good because that's what the world tells us feels good and what, and what's instant. And we can be in control of it. And it's, it's up to us, you know, we're, we're in control. So if you have been abused, you especially are in self-protective mode. Like I'm going to control this. It's me, myself, and I, I'm not letting people in. Um, you have these walls up because you're protecting yourself. You're protecting your soul. That, that young girl that was abused or that teenage girl that was abused or the adult woman who was abused, like you're protecting that. And you don't have to be abused to even have these protecting mechanisms up because if you were rejected in middle school or high school, or you had a teacher or coach or someone tell you like, you, like, you know, good luck to you. I had an English teacher. I was failing all of my classes senior year. And the only class I needed to pass for credits was my English class. And in order to get the credits for the class to graduate, I had to get a D minus or higher on my final exam. And I went in her room after I took the exam at the end of the day. And I said, what was my grade? <laughs> Please tell me. And she said, I gave you a D minus and that was a gift. Good luck in your future. And I remember walking out and feeling like, Mm, I got her. Like, like I won the manipulation. Like I got into her heart. I got her to give me this gift. Like I earned this gift. And I felt uh, like that was my flesh thought and it felt good. Like I won. But then I remember feeling like, how am I going to go on with my future? Like I literally hate school and I'm bad at it. And she just said, good luck in your future. And then I decided to go to college a few years later, my boys were six months old, I think when I started college and, or maybe a year old or something. And so I was like 20 and I, my second class I took was an online English class and three weeks into the class, I was already failing. And I'm like, you know what? <laughs> like, it's not meant to be like, I'm just going to drop this class. I, this isn't the right time for me. I was only in college because everyone was telling me to go to college. Like, that's what you should do. You, you're a mom in your young 20s. Like, get a good head on your shoulders. Go get a good education so you can get a good job, um, which is a huge limiting belief. Maybe you don't even realize that. That's a, a big, big limiting belief that people have. Like, go with the flow. Do what everyone does. Um, I don't know about you, but I don't want to have what everyone has. Like the people who are living the life that I really crave and I really want, it's not the norm. It's not like I want a super passionate head over heels in love marriage with tons of respect and togetherness and unity and fun. That's not the norm. That's not the norm at all. I want to feel fulfilled and purposeful and connected in my calling and aligned with Christ with my career, where I wake up and cannot wait to do what God has put me on this earth to do and to love every minute of my life. That's not the norm. That is not the norm at all. If you polled people, I, it would probably be like 1% because the majority of people in this world are living to feel as good as they can while they survive here. And that's what I've been doing my whole life. And 
the things that were making me feel bad was feeling rejected, feeling not approved of, uh, nobody approved of me, um, feeling unworthy, unloved, feeling stressed out. All those things that I would feel were fixed when I had sex with random guys, when I got high on cocaine, when I drank my face off at the bar, I felt better. I felt way better in the moment. I felt amazing. It filled all those voids. That was my coping mechanism. And maybe your coping mechanism is food. And maybe it's shopping, like I said. Like put in your own things that you're doing to make you feel better. What is making you feel better? It's not actually making you feel better long-term. It's actually making you feel worse. It's making the wound deeper because if I was having sex with guys so that they would approve of me and desire me and want me and make me feel worthy, well, easy come, easy go. I'd go home with them at the bar at the end of the night of meeting them. And do you think they wanted to like start a relationship and a family with me? No, they weren't looking for someone like me to be their wife. And then they would reject me and or, you know, whatever, never talk. We would never talk again. But what does that do to that inner person that was trying to get approval and to be desired and to want it? It just made that scar 10 times worse. And then I want to feel better. So I go out and do it again. And we're coping. And the reason why we're coping is because we have wounds that were never actually treated like they were supposed to be. They were never healed by the true physician, the true doctor, the the king of the universe who created us in the first place is the one that can restore us, is the only thing that can store us. And like my coffee cup says, it's the only thing that satisfies because nothing else will truly make you feel better. It's just temporary relief. It's like if you broke your arm and I, okay, let's be more realistic here. It's like if you get an epidural and you're having a baby and if your epidural actually works because most women are like mine didn't even work or like it didn't work on the left side so if it actually worked and you had an epidural and it worked for your pain you were you were not in that much pain was the pain still happening absolutely when it wears off are you really sore are you in a lot of pain yes it doesn't fix it in the moment it helps it and okay, human brain, I just want some relief. I know that over drinking and just running to booze isn't going to make me feel better. But if I'm going to suffer for 20 years, I would rather cut like eight hours out of every day of suffering and drink. That's how our brains think. Like if I'm going to suffer for 20 years, I might as well make it the best, you know, feel the best I can. What happens when we do that, though, is it's making everything else a lot worse and we're not actually healing and we stay in this survival mode. And I realize that there's two modes. There's survival mode and there's life mode. There's living. You're living or you're surviving. And you have no choice but to be in survival mode if you have things that you're trying to survive from. You know, it's, it's easy to be in living mode when you're laying in bed watching TV with no threats. Now, let's say somebody breaks into your house. Are you going to switch to survival mode to defend yourself? Yes. So when we're out in the real world and we're doing things and we're, we're trying to live for a minute and then we get triggered. And all these things start happening to us and you have marriage problems and you have money problems and you're rejected at work. And it starts like pulling back these scars that we have and exposing all of these hurts and traumas and wounds. You have no choice but to become in survival mode. And when you're surviving, you're no longer living. You're, you're in survival mode. If you're running for your life from an intruder in your house, you're not also stopping and being like, Lord, I'm so grateful that you gave me a house to live in. No, you're like, help me, God, help me. I'm getting away. You don't have time to stop and say, oh, look at that bunny. Lord, thank you for that animal and bringing that to me. And 
look at God's wonderful creation, just existing and living. You cannot soak in anything around you. You can't be present to your kids. You can't be the person you want to be when you're in survival mode and you're in the real, real world. I wish that we weren't. I wish the rapture would just happen already. It was storming really bad here a couple days ago and the clouds like only opened around the sun. It was so strange and everything looked really weird the way that the sun was coming in and we were driving home and I'm like, oh my gosh, look, I'm like maybe it's the rapture. I'm like, God, please let it be the rapture. Like, just take me right now. I can't do this anymore because it gets so hard just trying to survive. And if the devil can keep throwing things at you and get you to just be dodging and your hands are full and you're running for your life, you're never going to walk in your purpose ever. That person that you're supposed to go in and save that person that's been placed on your heart that you care so much about that you just want to shake them and say, open your eyes, you're worth more or let me teach you, or you want to inspire or entertain people, or you've gone through something that you know if you opened up about would unlock other people's prison cell doors. We are all here to rescue people. We're on a rescue mission. And you can't be rescuing people if you're trying to run for your own life. And that's exactly what the devil wants you doing. Because you're not creating when you're stressed out, depressed, rejected, abandoned, feeling worthless, you're not vibrating at your own energy that's authentically you and unique and quirky and weird. You're not showing kindness. You're not showing love. You aren't experiencing joy. It's a lot of anger. It's a lot of hate. It's a lot of frustration. And I realized that being in the valley is when you're experiencing those emotions. Being in the valley is when you are in survival mode. You are in survival mode is when you are in the valley. That you are about to lose it and you got to live for one more day. And so every single valley can be shallower and shallower and shallower as you go on. But it, it doesn't matter how hard you're holding God's hand and how much you want to be well. I just finished the foreword of my book and I talk all about being well. Do you want to be well? But it's not just enough to be well and hold on to God's hand with everything you have if you do not heal your wounds. And it's only something time can heal you on. Time has to go on. We talked in last episode, 56, I think, tension. We talked about that tension over time equals growth. And the reason why you have to have tension over time is to build character, is to learn God's character. Because while you go through these valleys and these dips of negative emotions, God will speak to you if you're listening and if you're focused, if you're distracted by your job and your coping mechanisms or you're over-worrying, over-analyzing, which is just a sign of control, or if you're a perfectionist, again, another sign of control. And if you have control problems, you also have trust problems and you're not trusting God with your life. You're trusting in yourself. You're not trusting in God. And that's exhausting because you're doing that all by yourself. And it's, I mean, that is so exhausting and so overwhelming. And that is exactly what happens when we just try to do these things on our own. Although we're coping, we're feeling way worse when we're done. We don't actually feel healed. But if you go through a period of time where you're learning God's character, you're learning about anger, you're learning about mistrust, you're learning about all of these things, God's going to reveal yourself and he's going to heal you and grow you one layer at a time. So you could read a hundred books and if God wants to teach you to remove your pride and be humble, 
you're really not going to learn a whole lot until you finally get that to click in your head. Like, oh, oh my gosh, this is something I struggle with. Why do I struggle with this? Maybe yours is anger. Maybe the second you're triggered, you're angry. You're annoyed. You put a wall up, you block someone, you push them out of their life. You leave. I used to be a runner. Anytime that John and I would get in a fight, I would immediately grab my keys and like, peace out. I'm out of here. Get out of my face. I'm leaving. And I would have to leave because I was just a runner. Like I'm going to run away from you and you can't hurt me. And figuring out why we need these things. That's what you really need to figure out. I believe that you need to go to therapy. This is your sign to call the therapist and make an appointment. I truly believe that it's, it's not only a one-time thing. You need to commit to going for at least six months to a year. I had tried going to therapy a few times and I would go like two or three sessions and then fall off and two or three sessions and fall off. First, pray that God connects you with the perfect therapist for you. I highly recommend finding a Christian therapist or counselor so that you have the same background, you have the same priorities, um, the same morals, you're comparing it to the same thing. And when you're done with that year, you might be able to take some time off, but you might also have to keep going back because you're going to learn about yourself in phases and stages. And what you're learning about yourself right now is going to be totally different from next year at this time, what you're learning about yourself. And that's why I love journaling because it shows you without the emotion, what was going on in your mind? What were your thoughts? What were you actually thinking? While you're journaling in anger, you're like, yeah, this feels so good. I'm going to get this out. And, and I literally just talk about why I'm angry. Like when I got in a fight with my husband the other day, I wrote it out. Like, I hate him. I'm so mad. I'm so angry. And I just like kept writing and writing and writing. And as I was, I even went back and reread it and it sounded so great. Now I'm not angry at all. And I'm not even mad about the fight anymore. I totally moved on. Now, if I go back and read it, I'm going to be like, whoa, hold up. Like I was so mad and had no reason. Like, like what, where is that coming from? And a lot of times when we're in a different emotion, it's like part of our memory stays in the other emotion. Like one of the most profound exercises I ever did with my therapist is she had me set a timer for 20 minutes by myself at home when I had no kids around and pull up on Google, a list of emotions, like a, a big list of emotional words look on images and just find a chart with like as many words on it as you can. And for 20 minutes, you have to sit there and write down every single emotion that you feel towards your past or like what has abused you. Or for me, it was my dad. Like my dad abandoned me when I was younger and I have a ton of issues around that. And so it's like, like where, like what emotions am I experiencing? When I think of my dad, what do, what like pulls out of me? So if yours is you were raped or you are just so embarrassed and shameful of your past or something you did a certain sin or you know, anything that could have happened to you, thinking about this and writing down all these emotions, it was so hard. I did not want to do it. And I cried through the entire thing. I did not want to go back there. I did not want to think about this. But after I was done, I immediately had forgiven my dad. It was so weird. It was like the weirdest thing. And writing down and identifying those emotions and realizing like, it's okay. It's okay. Um, and where you were and where you lived, but we still carry these things on with us as we, as we move on. That's why you have to go to therapy because whether you had something happen to you or not, I promise that you are doing something that is affecting whether you're living or surviving. 
there's something there. Maybe you try to just give it your best. Like when you were in high school, you got all A's and you took honor classes and you wanted to be on student council and you wanted to be like the best you could. And then you went to college and you were like, I need to be in a sorority and I need to achieve. And maybe you're like addicted to this achievement and this success, because I know for me growing up, my parents had a lot of money and that was really the only thing that made me cool. Like that's the only reason why I was in the cool group is because my parents had money, but they didn't really like me. And I knew that and I could tell, and I felt rejected, but I learned very early on. If I have the coolest clothes, the coolest stuff, the coolest car, we get a limo for my birthday and my parents throw these big parties that I will be accepted and cool. So then that was a thing that made me feel approved of. That was a coping mechanism. It was an idol. It was something that I viewed higher than God, that this is going to bring me fulfillment. This is going to make me feel good. So that's why I joined network marketing. Are you serious? It's like the best, the best company to give you that feeling, the best thing for people to praise you and to succeed and to drive. You work hard, you get more. In corporate America, you don't do that. You work hard and you're still making the same amount of money that the girl across from you is making and she doesn't even do anything. Like that's really corporate America where you're like, what kind of crap is this? Like I'm working way more. I'm doing way more. I, I show up. I'm responsible. I pick up the slack and I get the paid the same amount as this girl. Like why even try? If you're a super driven person, sales is amazing. <laughs> like it, it, commission structure is amazing. Work hard, get more. Put in more time, get more rewards. And it was so hard for me to leave because at the time it was the thing giving me what I needed. But just like sex with a stranger and just like drinking two bottles of wine at night, it'll make you feel better in the moment, but it's slowly deteriorating your life. It's slowly killing you. You drink and drink and drink. Studies show that if you're an alcoholic, you're going to die a lot earlier than if you weren't. Same with drugs. And what happens by sleeping around with all these men? I mean, diseases and things like that. But I mean, what is that doing to your character? to your relationships, to your self-worth. I mean, really, and, and the best part about this is that we are forgiven. We're redeemed. We are chosen that while we were doing these things, while we were surviving and trying to do everything we could, Jesus was dying on a cross for us. It wasn't like he did it and then we were born and we sinned and he's like, oh my gosh, this one, I died for this one too. Are you kidding me? Another, another sinful human. He knew that we were, that we would perish without him. And that's how much he loves us. Like wrap your mind around that. Like all the bad things you've done, all the shameful things you've done, the person you used to be, or the way you used to think, or the things that really like motivated you or caught your interest the things that you lusted after, like, it doesn't matter. It's all in the past. You are healed. You are a new creation because of your identity, because of who you are and whose you are. It's both. And if you keep spending your time in this emotion of overwhelm, so yesterday, okay, pause. Yesterday, I was at my daughter's soccer practice and I, I shared a little bit of this in our Telegram chat. So if you're listening to this on a recording, you have the opportunity to get on live with us on Zoom Monday and Wednesday mornings. And you also get access to our Telegram chat where we share resources and talk and, and like Alicia just launched her free offer for her funnel that she built for her business. So she put it in there to say, hey guys, check this out. Let me know how it works, what you think. Uh, if you want to start a podcast or write a book, you can go in there and say, hey, who knows stuff about podcasts? Or uh, I really want it to be a place where everyone feels like they can talk at any minute. Like really, like if you need prayer, if you like, it just, you don't have to share everything, but you can say, hey, can you pray for me today for my mind, for my rest, for protection? Um, you know, can you pray for my family? Like you can say that in there. That's the purpose of having a community. That's why this community exists is because you can't do this on your own. You can't. And chances are you live in a city where you don't have a lot of people like you and like me and like all of us right in your neighborhood. I don't know anyone local 
who is like my person that I'm like, you are like my people, you know, you make me better. You, you have the same priorities as me. We're, we're on the same page. Like it, it doesn't really exist. It's hard to find people. And if you're like Caitlin who travels all around too, like there's a lot of people that are in the military or they're traveling for their jobs. And it's like, I just want connection. I want people. I want someone to tell me I'm not crazy. Someone to tell me like, Hey, I get it. I get it. It's struggle. You can be real and raw because if you're not spending time in one place with one group of people, you're never going to really get to know them. Just like with Jesus, if you don't spend time with him over time, you're not going to really get to know his character or what he says about you or what he says about overwhelm or what he says about anxiety. But I was sitting at soccer practice and I started writing down my ideal person and, and who she is, because I just feel like I've gotten distracted. Like I've been also posting a lot out of trauma and out of hurt and resentment. Like I've been, um, I'm like very hurt with what happened in my network marketing career and how things went down. It's like a really deep wound for me that I'm healing and I'm almost, I'm almost healed from it. I can feel it. Like I'm, I'm getting there. Um, but a lot of my stuff was posted out of like revenge and like, let me tell you why you should quit or let me tell you. And it was very, um, it just like, that's not really who I want to be. It worked. I got a lot of views. I connected with that person and I, I do feel the same way about the industry, but it wasn't posted out of true identity and love and purpose. It was really posted out of survival, like stick the knife in like, oh, like this is making me feel better by talking about this and posting about it. And I'm like, stop talking about that. What do I talk about? Do I, do I talk about what I'm learning? Do I talk about stuff in the Valley? Like, I don't even know what to talk about. And you, if you're building a brand online, I'm sure you can relate hundred percent to like, what do I even post? What kind of content do I create? I don't, I, and we overthink it and we overcomplicate it. We overanalyze it and it's so confusing. And if you feel that and you're there, just know that you're not alone. We are all feeling that at a time or another. And I really just needed to like get clear again of who my person was. So I wrote down my ideal person and I started listing all of her emotions, what she does, what she believes, who she is. Um, these are um, a couple I'm going to read a couple of them. And my goal, my rescue mission is to go into the deepest valley and pull this person out. So this person is sitting at the bottom of the valley. And I guess this can kind of be a little mental checklist for you to see if you're in the valley right now. Because the valley doesn't really look as dark as you think it would. And you don't really notice a lot of the negative, bad things that are happening around you while they're happening. And you can recognize if you're in the valley by emotions, mostly, because your, your mindset is in the valley. You're physically not somewhere else. You're physically still sitting here. So here's the things. You're unfulfilled, overwhelmed, have imposter syndrome, which means like, who am I to do this? Nobody's going to do, nobody's going to buy this. Nobody's going to join me feeling like you're an imposter. Like if people only really knew who I were, was they would, they would find me out feeling like you're going to be found out as a fraud, feeling not good enough, anxious, angry, depressed. You're in comparison mode, insecure, mental illness, trauma, abuse, marriage problems. You hate yourself, which includes how you look, how you act, those things. Um, poor body image. You have trust issues. Desperate for help. Isolate yourself. You're tired and exhausted. You're making a lot of excuses. You're an alcoholic. Chasing money or success, not being authentic to yourself, feeling lonely, feeling crazy. That's my favorite one. I always felt so crazy. I still do. Indecisive, coping with sex, drugs, alcohol, overeating, 
controlling everything around you. You feel scared or rejected. You're a perfectionist, procrastinator, feeling worthless. You're burnt out, tired, exhausted. But you know what you also are? You're a fighter. And you've gotten to this point. You have survived 100% of the things that have happened to you so far. You've survived them. You're driven. You're really driven. And you know, deep, deep, deep down, it might be so deep down and so quiet, but you know that you were made for more than this. Like just somewhere in there. And when you even say it or even really think about it, you're like, okay, like, no, I'm not. Who am I? Because the other emotions just take you in. And I wrote that down because I needed to get really connected with who my person is. Who am I showing up for the most? Who am I running into the fire and rescuing? Who am I doing this all for? Why am I doing this? It's your why. If you've been in an industry where they had you write down your why, they do that if you become a realtor, um, network marketing, a lot of sales models. I was in direct sales. They would have you talk about your why. Like, this is hard. Running into the fire and rescuing someone and pulling them out is hard. It's hot. It's tiring. So why are you doing it? You have to know the reason. Why am I showing up to do this? And in order to figure that out, you need to know who, who am I pulling out of the fire? Did you go through something so traumatic that now you're like, I am going to help this person avoid and to open their eyes and make them see, or you're passionate about teaching people how to color and paint and express themselves creativity, creatively, creatively, and I can't even say that word, creatively, or you want to inspire someone to lose the weight they've always wanted to and feel the best or to love themselves or to heal their wounds or whatever that thing is. And it takes some time to really learn that. But I wrote down all of those things. And while I was writing all of those emotions out, I realized that I'm in the valley. And I realized that these emotions that I was writing on this paper, not all of them, but some of them are the ways that I'm, I've been feeling. And what I did is I wrote down, and I'm actually going to turn this into a free offer because as I was doing it, I'm like, everybody needs to do this. This is such an amazing exercise and you need to do it all the time, like in a journal or something, um, a few times a week at least. So you can see your trend over time, but taking all these words and writing down three or four of them that you really, really resonate with right now. And so my words were overwhelmed marriage problems, body image, trust, and feeling crazy. These are the main emotions and the main thoughts that have been going through my head lately and how I've been thinking and feeling. And what I did is I took the word overwhelmed, (coughs) excuse me, and I wrote down overwhelmed and then I wrote down why. Why do I feel overwhelmed? Or if I wrote down marriage problems, why am I having marriage problems? Um, If I wrote down body image, why am I having these issues? Trust, and why am I feeling crazy? So overwhelmed, why I've been feeling so overwhelmed. And, And this is the part where I was like, I need to make this into a free offer because I think most people don't know why. Like they're like, I I don't know, you tell me, (laughs) you know, and that's kind of like the coach in me is like, I can tell you immediately why you're overwhelmed. There's only a few things that you could be overwhelmed from. And I want to do this where it's like a multiple choice or you're like circling your answer. So you can see like, this is my problem. Um, The reason why most people are overwhelmed is because they're not proactive and they're in reactive mode. And when you're in reactive mode, you're overwhelmed because you're unprepared and you're overwhelmed because you're just not prepared for what's going on. So I feel really overwhelmed in my life right now because I have a ton of things on my to-do list. We're leaving for vacation next week. So that's in my mind. 
I have like a ton of stuff with my business that I've just not been doing. I'm behind in one of my studies. I have two books I want to be reading right now and I'm not. I want to be working out and I haven't been. I don't know what we're having for dinner at all. And we haven't had dinner the last two weeks. Last night we spent $50 at Taco Bell at 9.30 at night because the Mexican pizza came back. Come on, don't act like you don't want one. I even downloaded the app and ordered through a mobile order so I could get the Mexican pizza a day early. I have issues. That's crazy. (laughs) My whole family is like, loves Taco Bell. It's really the only fast food we eat. And so we all were like in the chat and I'm like, and it used to be our favorite product that they sold. (laughs) I used to love the Mexican pizza too. And then, um, so they, there's Taco Bell here, but in Northern California, they, they only have Taco Bell. They don't have Del Taco. Oh yeah. And then when I moved down here and started eating at Del Taco, um, I don't eat at Taco Bell anymore. Well, we don't have anything besides Taco Bell. So (laughs) It's like our only option. That's it. All we know. <laughs> you know, it's all we so know. Was the Mexican pizza good? Yes. It, it was used good. to be my favorite. But, you know, of course, it's not as good as you think it's going to be. Right. Because you're like, oh, I'm just going to, like, whatever, I'm just going to eat like crap. And that wasn't a goal of mine. That wasn't a priority of mine. I have my priorities written on my fridge in a daily checklist on a whiteboard that I take a picture at the end of the day on what I did. And then I erase the board and write the next day on there. And the things that are on that list aren't getting done. And I know that my priorities are to eat healthy, but I'm still not. Why am I not eating healthy? Which is body image was one of my problems. The reason why I have body image issues right now is because I I know I have low self-control and discipline and I'm not being proactive. If I were to sit down at the beginning of the week and plan my meals and order groceries and clean out my fridge and replace all the stuff in my fridge and get it all set up for the week, not only would I eat healthier, my family would be eating healthier and I would feel better about myself. I probably look the same. Actually, yesterday I weighed four pounds less than I did the day before. Don't ask me how. I look probably the same. The scale says I even look better, you know, but I feel like, ugh. when a week ago, when I was eating healthy and doing what I was supposed to and following my priorities, I felt good about myself and I looked the same, nothing changed. And it's your mind where you can look at your body and think, ew, look at this. Or you can look at your body and see love. And it doesn't matter if you're skinny or you're curvy. There are people who are way curvier than you that love their bodies way more than you do. And it's not about how you actually look and what the scale says. And so I want to turn this into a thing where this can be an exercise when you're feeling off or you're feeling distressed or you know that you need to have, you need to become self-aware and you need to come back and recenter and refocus looking at this list of emotions and writing down the things that are fueling you right now and then seeing why. So really I'm overwhelmed. So I need to, and on the other side of the page, I wrote, what are all the things that I could do to be proactive? And I can plan tomorrow today. So I already know everything that's happening tomorrow. Also writing it on the calendar. So my family knows what's going on. So we can all be on the same page. Be early to things. Don't try to push it to the last second. Like, oh, I I don't really have to stop doing this right now to get ready. No, you need to stop because you need to be early. Um, Don't overcommit. That's a huge thing. Like, don't just keep saying yes to everyone. Like, uh, yeah, I can do that. I I don't know why we do that. I think it's people-pleasing and poor boundaries and approval of others. But like, I'll make dentist appointments at times that I know really don't work for me. They're like, what about Tuesday at 11? I'm like, yeah, that works. And then I'm at the dentist Tuesday and I'm like, well, now Skylar can't go to school because there's nobody to drive her to school and she has to miss a day of school. Now I feel like I have mom guilt and I also feel bad because now I'm paying and she's not even going. And then I feel even worse because I, I picked this day and I was a people pleaser. And it just, you spiral. It's like one thing leads after another. So don't overcommit. No, that day doesn't work for me. I can't do that. Like be realistic. And I need to plan office time per week. 
and make it fun. So I don't avoid doing it. Like, what can I do to make coming in my office and catching up on bills and budgets and, and office work? Like, what can I do to make that more fun? I can do it on a day where my kids are at grandma's and I can go get lunch from Panera and come back here and eat my favorite sandwich from Panera and drink a large iced green tea and spend the day in the office listening to music, maybe do it the day after my house is cleaned. So I feel just good and fresh and open the windows and turn on my diffuser, turn on worship music. Don't plan anything else all day except that. So I don't feel overwhelmed and stressed. Like that could make it fun. And if I did those things, I wouldn't be overwhelmed anymore. You can't fix your emotions if you're not aware of them. And being aware of our emotions is a trigger. So we just shove them down. Like, I'm not going to think about it. I'm going to forget about it. Who cares? Give me a drink. Meet me for margaritas. Margaritas are like my drink of choice. (laughs) I just, I love me a margarita. (laughs) Okay. And there's a difference from drinking for fun and to have a drink with a friend versus I'm going to drink because I feel bad and I want to get wasted and dull my feelings. I'm not saying drinking is bad. I'm not saying that some of these things are bad in themselves. They're bad when you're using them to cope. If you're smoking weed to escape your life, it's different than smoking it for fun and being out, whatever you might, it's like natural and it's better than drinking, you know, like justify it or say however you want. It's, it's whatever's convicting you, whatever's holding you back from God's goodness whatever's controlling your life, whatever you're idolizing and lifting up on this platform saying, you are going to make me feel better than Christ. That's an idol. Success, a $250,000 check felt a lot better than Jesus in the moment. And that's not what we should do because what's it, if you don't address your emotions here, you're never going to be able to heal these wounds. And you're going to be stuck in survival mode. So you're never going to feel purposeful. You're never going to hear your calling. I'm here to tell you and wake you up to your calling to tell you that you were not born on this earth and placed here to survive here. You weren't. You weren't put on this earth as just another person to just exist on this earth until death. You were put on this earth for a mission. Every single one of us was created on purpose, for a purpose, on mission, for a mission. The way you are, the way you think, the uniqueness about you, the quirkiness about you, the different things about you are all the things that God designed in you for a reason, to connect with a certain person, to have experiences, to relate to another person, to be able to see things from a different perspective, to offer advice, to be who you currently are. And you cannot do that if you're surviving and dodging bullets. So if you want to truly feel happy and you want to find purpose and you want to live out your calling and feel like you're living a life of abundance and happiness moment by moment, not depending on anything else, you can live in a studio apartment have barely enough money for rent, be eating ramen noodles, and it doesn't matter. You don't have to have a brand new Tahoe or G-Wagon or the, the Gucci belt that everyone has or the Louis Vuitton purse or the Botox or the lip injections or the nice house or the nicest things. Like You don't have to do that to feel fulfilled and happy and abundant. Imagine loving, imagine being in love with a sober life, like being totally sober. And I don't just mean drugs, drugs and alcohol. I mean, anything that you're coping with, imagine being totally, utterly in love with the life that you've created and nothing is, is fueling you or is causing you to be in survival mode. And the way that you can experience that is by time. We did a podcast, T-I-M-E, maybe it was like 40, episode 40, Um, T-I-M-E, 
and it talked about spending time with God and what TIME stands for and learning his character. Yes. Not getting distracted. So don't let anything distract you. You have to heal, go to therapy. There's nothing wrong with that. That is noble. And if you want to go to couples counseling or couples therapy, start with yourself. It's really easy to just point the finger of blame on our spouses or the people around us. Like they're irritating us. They're not understanding us. They're triggering us. It really, it's like you need to get to your own root of the problem and then you will start to perceive things differently. But if you continue to let these wounds be there and not treat them and all you're doing is packing them full of super glue, you just keep super gluing the cut and super gluing. I've never understood why people super glue stuff. I'm like, doesn't that burn? But you keep just like super gluing. It doesn't. Caitlin's like, no, it doesn't. Yeah, and it's probably good. You know, it holds it, right? Medically, like that's an okay thing to do. I think so. So we have like medical grade super glue. So depending on the cut, you can actually super glue it back. However, I don't suggest using like legit super glue, yeah. like still go see your physician, but there I is medical like grade glue. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So nobody go in super glue and say, I told you to do that. Um, but you know, that's not, that's not going to help you if your arm is severed and it's like, just put the super glue on it. Like, no, we need to reattach your arm. You need surgery. And if you keep at and giving yourself a, a shot that numbs the pain, it's not fixing it. And that's actually going to prolong and make the injuries even worse. It's the same thing with this. Do not neglect your healing in your self-care. There's a podcast called soul care that we also did. Soul care was a really good one somewhere in the forties. Great one about this, but spend some time looking at a list of emotions and writing down the main negative emotions that are fueling you right now and ask yourself, why am I experiencing this? What is triggering me? I'm experiencing anger. When am I experiencing anger? What am I doing when, when I'm angry? What was I doing before I got angry? Because it's like a switch. Like you didn't wake up annoyed. Maybe you did, but did you go to bed annoyed? And if you did, at what point were you not annoyed? When did it switch? And all of a sudden you became angry. What was it? Your husband got home, your mood changed. That you got that phone call. Now you're mad. You found that out about your kid. Now you're mad. Whatever triggered you, why does that make you feel bad? Why did you get triggered when your husband came home? Why are you screaming at your kids when they don't listen to you? What really, like, why are you yelling when they don't listen to you? Because you're not setting boundaries and you're not setting clear expectations and you're yelling because it's a boundary. Most of them are boundaries. There's a book called Boundaries. They have like boundaries for parents, boundaries for leaders, boundaries for all these different things. Just read the original boundaries book. And it talks about letting people walk all over you, being in a, in a reactive mindset that's causing you to have weak boundaries around yourself. And that's why you're overwhelmed and you're in survival mode. So if you really want to unlock your purpose and figure out why you're here, but be shown where you can go in and rescue people out of the fire, you want to move things along. You want your business further along. You want to be at a different place in your life, a different phase. You're growing impatient because God isn't answering you or your goals aren't being met. This is what you need to do. You need to heal. And then all those things are going to flow and you're not even going to be able to slow it down. It's just going to be happening like mushrooms popping up overnight as Florence Scovelshin says. So do the, do the emotion test and message me. If you get stuck, message me on Instagram. If you're like, I, I'm just stuck. I don't know why I'm doing this. I would love to send you a voice message or two and give you some insight on um, or ask you questions that you can ask yourself that gets you're like, oh, okay. Now, like I'm getting here. So I love you so much. Thank you for being on here live. If you're live here with me and thank you for listening to the recording. I hope you have an amazing day. Love you. Bye. Thank you for listening and spending your morning with me. I pray that God blesses your day and that he helps you to see the calling that is on your life. Lord, 
help us to be obedient to what you've called us to do. Help us to walk in our day side by side with you and link with your power instead of trying to do it on our own. We know we cannot do this on our own, although we try. Please continue to help us and continue to lead us and guide us. We love you so much in Jesus's holy name. Amen. Have a blessed day. Thanks for being here. Oh, and don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Taryn Sarconi so that you can grow with me and you can learn how to get out of the valley, how to stay out of the valley and exactly what to do to have the best life ever in 2022.